You're listening to a Sovereign Hope Church podcast with pastor and teaching elder Adam Vinson. As you're being seated, I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles once again to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We do have our sermon notes available through our Google Drive folder if you want to access those. They'll be on the screen as well. I told you last week that we were going to step away for a couple of weeks from Revelation because of where we were at in the book, that it's a point in the book that allows for us to take a little bit of a break as we get ready to go into chapter 12, and I think it'll be appropriate once we get back into it, um, as it'll tie in, I believe, with the Christmas season. And so uh, we'll hold off on chapter 12 at least for another week um, as we look at Second Thessalonians today. Um, for those that were with us last week, you'll remember we talked uh, about growing weary while working and waiting, um, and our summary sentence was, as we press on to do good while waiting for Jesus to return, we must anticipate the possibilities of weariness and make intentional efforts to address it when it occurs. Um, we looked at briefly two passages, Galatians 6 and the passage that we're going to look at today. We spent more time in Galatians 6 last week, and I want to read for that read for us again that passage. It says, verse 9, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So we talked a little bit about weariness and what would cause a believer to, to grow weary. We saw specifically some things that the church was known for in their early stages, and potentially what Paul might have had in mind when he talks about not growing weary. And so we stepped back and we said, okay, what were some of the good things that the early church was doing that potentially they were tempted to grow weary in doing? We talked about them intentionally gathering. They were very intentional with their schedules to make sure that they were able to gather together with the other believers that made up their church. They were sacrificially giving They were even going to great lengths and efforts to ensure that they had extra money to give away. They were progressively serving. We saw again from the book of Revelation that they were were not just faithful in serving, they were increasing in their serving. Right, that their their latter works were greater than their or their their new works were later better than their previous works. They were they were greater. It was something to be highlighted and and something to be praised and affirmed. And so we see the early church growing in their capacity to serve, rather than having to cut back and cut away some of the ministries they were involved in. They were adding to. Um, and then we also saw that they were strategically welcoming those that were coming to be a part of the church. That they were intentional with their hospitality. Um, to the point that they had even potentially entertained angels unaware. They were very intentional in the welcoming of visitors to their their gathering. Um, So we saw, you know, why would someone potentially grow weary in doing some of those things? One, feeling like the good goes unnoticed that they're doing, feeling like their good is not making a substantial difference, Uh, or even number three, feeling like the good that they're doing might not be worth the effort. And so we, we looked at some of those reasonings last week, and then I talked to you a little bit about how to encourage someone who feels they are growing weary in their good we talked about identifying the factors of weariness, what, what is causing us to potentially feel weary, uh, seeking to change the factors if possible by making personal changes and or asking others to do the same. And so I highlighted even an example with my teachers. So outside the church context, this applies to all contexts in our Christian life as we seek to, to do what we're called to do. Um, talking with some of my teachers about why they were growing weary in their job efforts and things that I could do differently, me recommending things that they could do differently to attack that. I mean, then number three, attacking the weariness that we feel by looking for ways to do more good. Because Paul tells us there in Galatians 6, don't grow weary in doing good, for in due season you'll reap if you don't give up. 
as we have opportunity, let us keep on doing good, basically. So not trying to take a break, not stepping back and, and relaxing in our weariness, but seeking to push forward in doing good. And so I shared with you a little bit of a, a, a personal account from an elder standpoint last week in regards to this, that um, we feel very weary in some of the things that we've been doing. And, and we identified the factors that Sunday attendance hasn't been great and that it it feels like summertime and holiday season is always upon us, that there's never really a point where we get to where we say, hey, Sunday attendance should be great um, at this point right now. And we looked at our connecting point attendance. We looked at our giving, and, and Ben even posted an update yesterday just to give you some tangible numbers to see where we're at in our giving and where we were projected to be based on what you committed to give, what we're actually giving, and then even our expenses for this previous month, and then some of the things that we're not able to do this month, which is probably the first time that we've really gotten to that point where we were unable to do some things based on our giving patterns. And so, and then, you know, we talked about the visitors and visitors coming and then not returning. And so kind of collectively, all those things together, causing some weariness for us as elders. We talked about some of the personal changes that we're trying to make as elders, but then also asking you to make some changes as well, coming ready to participate on Sundays each and every week, making plans to connect throughout the week through our connecting points and not just showing up if you have nothing else to do, um, re-examining your giving habits for the upcoming year, looking for ways to serve and increase your zeal in serving, and then talking to a visitor as we have people visit, being intentional to talk to them as they come. And so that, that moves us into 2 Thessalonians now. Standing firm instead of growing weary, how do we attack it? How do we address it? How do we move forward when we get into seasons of weariness? All right, our summary sentence for today. My time in the word, my time in prayer, and my time with others will determine whether I stand firm or grow weary in my personal life. My time in the word, my time in prayer, and my time with others will determine whether I stand firm or grow weary in my personal life. For our kids, the Bible, prayer, and Christian friends help us not grow weary. I think there's a common theme that we see in Galatians chapter 6 and in 2 Thessalonians, specifically chapter 3, that are potential threats to our ability to stand firm and are potential temptations for us to grow weary. I don't know if you identified these or this common theme in your discussions this morning, but let me read to you just briefly from both passages. It says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God's not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. We jump over now to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you. Nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we did not have the right, but to give you and ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give this command, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. 
For we, uh, for we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly, to earn their own living. As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with them, that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. Man, I think the common theme that we see in both these passages is the efforts to help people who aren't living and doing what they should be doing and growing weary in that work. I mean, think about it. In Galatians, it's talking about us uh, being careful that we're not tempted in the same way as someone else, but that we're seeking to bear their burdens and draw them out of that sin and put them back on a right path of living. Right? That's, that's, that's what's going on there in Galatians chapter 6. The idea that some in that community weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Man, and you read through that and, and, and you think, like, man, this should work every time. right? Like Every time when I talk to somebody about something that they're doing or not doing that should be different, man, I'm going I'm to bear with them. They're going to respond. They're going to they're gonna be restored. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be just great fellowship and restoration. That doesn't always happen right? Like we seek, to, we seek to apply this, but it doesn't always happen. And that's why Paul says, man, keep sowing, you will reap. Sow to the Spirit, you'll reap eternal life. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we don't give up. But the context there in that passage, man, these people are trying to help people that are in transgression and sin. And the temptation, the possibility is that, man, that's a weary job at times. That's a difficult task to really be the type of Christian that you're called to be, to be able to see others that are wavering and wandering and working effortlessly to bring them back. The same is happening in 2 Thessalonians when Paul has to, too, remind that church not to grow weary in what they're doing. You've got this group of people here that are, that are idle, and they're taking advantage of the church by wanting to be compensated or fed or, or taken care of, but they're not really taking care of themselves. It's a group of people who have previously rejected Paul's teaching on this topic. Paul's already talked about this topic. He's already commanded the idea of working hard and taking care of yourself, and these people have rejected that teaching. And so Paul's having to address it. He's having to rebuke these people, and he's having to call out the people that are doing things right and he's offering them some hope. He says, man, if you need to distance yourself from these people, distance yourself from these people, don't grow weary in doing good. And so there's a common theme that I want us to look at today. This idea of being around people who aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing puts us in jeopardy of growing weary ourselves in our efforts to do good. We'll see that as we, as we continue through Second Thessalonians, all right? But my time in the word, my time in prayer, my time with others will determine whether I stand firm or whether I grow weary in my personal life. Let's jump right into 2 Thessalonians. We'll back up to chapter 2, verse 13. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. First thing I want to point out to you from my studies this week, number one, our salvation enables us to stand firm when tempted to grow weary. Our salvation enables us to stand firm when tempted to grow weary. I want us to see everything that Paul teaches here in light of what's coming at the end of this section when he tells us not to grow weary. 
Again, I told you five years ago when we worked through this, we saw all this instruction in light of the previous passage about deception coming, the man of lawlessness coming. We talked about standing firm in light of coming deception. It's the same principles, it's the same truth, but I wanna see it in light now, not of coming deception, but of current temptation to grow weary in doing good. How do we combat that? How do we fight against that? How do we stand firm? First of all, we, we, uh, we find encouragement from the fact that our salvation enables us to stand firm when we're tempted to grow weary. We're saved, which means we will stand firm. Paul remains encouraged that if he continues to sow, he will reap amongst this group because these people are saved. That's the encouragement that Paul finds. Even in his efforts as a church planter, as a discipler, Man, he's, he's referencing back to these people and he says, I'm giving thanks to God for you. Even though he's about to have to address issues within that church. He says, I give thanks to God for you, brothers, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved. Man, there's some similarities even in that language with Galatians, right? If you continue to sow, you will reap. Here he talks about these people being saved, that they are first fruits. They're first fruits. Right, like this idea of sowing and reaping and gathering and harvesting. He says, I give thanks to God because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in truth. He's called you to this. And, and Paul even has this future perspective. He says, you will obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right, he hasn't given up on these people. He hasn't lost hope in these people. He says, because I know you're saved, I know you're first fruits. I know we're gonna reap. I know we're gonna reap as we continue to sow I've got great confidence you're gonna obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he says in verse 15, so then brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. So he gives them this, this encouragement that their standing firmness is guaranteed because of their salvation. They are going to stand firm because they're saved. They are gonna stand firm because of their first fruits of sanctification um, by the spirit and belief in the truth. But then in verse 15, in our point number two, he gives them some responsibility. He gives them some responsibility. Our obedience empowers us to stand firm when tempted to grow weary. Our obedience empowers us to stand firm when tempted to grow weary. For our kids, if we obey, we will stand firm. Now, lest we think this is all in and of ourselves like our own efforts to do this, that's not the case, right? We know the Holy Spirit's been given to us. We know the Holy Spirit allows our salvation to get worked out, right? So it's, it's of God's power that even we're able to be obedient. But you can't discount the fact that Paul specifically tells these people in light of just telling them that they will stand firm, they will obtain all this because they are saved, he now gives them personal responsibility and says in light of that, stand firm and hold to the to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. He wants them to obey in order to stand firm. Obey what? Obey specifically the word of God, right? To the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Hold fast and obey what you are being taught. Man, this is one way that we seek to fight against weariness is that we're spending intentional time in the word. Personally, collectively, together as a church family, we gather on Sundays to be in the word, right? We gather monthly as C groups to talk about application of the word. 
right? We, we, we have to spend time in the word. We have, to, we have to meditate on the truths, the traditions that are being passed down to us, whether by spoken word or by letter. Paul says, man, when we're writing letters to the early churches, it's containing truth that you need to know. He says, obey it, hold to it, right? Don't just hear it, but seek to apply it. That's a practical application for how we fight against weariness, right? We spend intentional time in the word. We seek to apply that. To, to incorporate that, to infuse that into our life. And again, this doesn't have to be some long, drawn-out theological study that we have in mind when we talk about being in the Word. Again, I told you this week, I just sat down and opened up this passage on weariness and began to read and study without the additional help of, of commentaries and study notes. Man, I just read through it and really feasted upon just the words of, of, of God. And what did they have to say to me in my own personal experiences with weariness right now? And so when I look at this, I see a reminder to me that, man, my salvation is guaranteed. I will stand firm. I'm not going to grow weary to the point of where I stop doing good. But in order to really obtain the glory of Jesus Christ, man, it necessitates that I stand firm by holding to the traditions that were taught to me, things that I've been, been taught before in the past, things that I've read in the past. I have to hold on to those things. I have to be obedient to those things if I'm not to grow weary. Our obedience empowers us to stand firm. Paul was faithful in his teaching, and he was faithful to encourage others to do right. He was actively sowing, right? So this isn't just us doing this for ourselves. Man, this is also us teaching others. We have a responsibility to teach others, to encourage others. We're going to see that as we get further into Second Thessalonians, that when other people aren't living and doing and making choices like they should, we're obligated to help address that. Galatians tells us to do that as well. When we see someone caught in a transgression, we help pull them out of that transgression, right? Paul says, hold to these traditions, apply these traditions, apply these teachings, Spend time in God's word. Hold to it. Do the things that you're reading. Do the things that you're being taught. Our obedience empowers us to stand firm. So our salvation enables it. Like the only way that we can even hope to stand firm and to persevere until the end is because God has saved us. God has given us the Holy Spirit. God will accomplish that in our life. He starts a work. He finishes a work. But he also calls us to participate in that. He calls us to be obedient to his word to stand firm by holding true the traditions that we've been taught. Then verse 16, now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. For not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. All right, so our salvation basically guarantees that we will stand firm and not grow weary to the point of quitting. But for that to really be true for us, we have to be the type of people that obey God's word. Right? That, like that's something that even First John tells us. If you're truly a Christian, you, you do the commands of God. You obey the commands of God, right? But again, to protect us from thinking that, oh, this is, this is completely relying upon me. I have to do this in order to not grow weary. Paul reminds us that we have to cry out to God. 
right? He cries out to God on behalf of these people. Like he's, he, he's very prayerful in verse 16. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. That's his prayer for this church, right? He's praying on behalf of this church that God would do the very things that he says are guaranteed to happen because of their salvation. He's praying that God will do in them the very things that he's calling the people to do, right? Stand firm and hold to the traditions of the faith. He then prays that God will make those things effective in their life. So number three, our prayers remind us to stand firm when tempted to grow weary. Our salvation guarantees it. Our salvation enables us to stand firm. Our obedience empowers us, right? Going to the word faithfully keeps us encouraged. It keeps us pressing on when we're tempted to grow weary. But man, it's not just contingent on whether or not we're having a quiet time during the week or whether we're gathering on a Sunday morning. There's also this element of prayer where we are, we are called to pray and to ask God for the very things that he promises to give us. Paul says, I'm praying. I'm praying that the Lord Jesus will, will do these things in you. But Paul also, in, in humility, in humility, he says, pray for me too. Pray for me too. He says, I'm not just praying for you. I'm not just praying that you won't grow weary, that you'll stand firm in the faith. He says, pray for me that the same will be true for me. There's, there's this aspect of prayer here where he says, man, it's, it's, it's you praying personally for yourself, but he says, man, you need other people praying for you. He says, I'm praying for you that these things will happen in your life. And to show you that I'm no better than you, he, he says, please pray for me. Look what he says in verse one. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. Man, Paul's talking about threats to his own ministry here and the possibilities of him growing weary and the gospel not speeding ahead. And he says, brothers, pray that these things don't happen. Pray that the, Lord, that the word of the Lord speeds ahead. Pray that it's honored, that it's well-received, like it's happening amongst you. Pray that we're delivered from wicked and evil men. It says, verse three, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. And there's this partnership that he's describing about his prayer life. He says, I'm praying for you. Man, I wanna ask you to pray for me as well. Pray for me that I'll stay encouraged. Pray for me that I'll keep persevering. Pray for me that I will be successful for God's glory in the things that I'm endeavoring to do. We pray in order to stand firm. Paul prayed for the ongoing firmness of others. Paul requested prayer for his own firmness in the face of weariness. So we've got, we've got salvation that we've talked about here that enables us to be the type of people that stand firm, that don't grow weary. We're seeing now that our obedience is also tied to that, that, that if we start, if we start um, losing time in the word, right? Like if we start deviating, if our schedules start to fill up to the point that and we're, we're not really gathering together regularly like Hebrews tells us to, which, 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 which really prevents us from holding fast to the faith like we need to. We stop gathering with people regularly. Typically busy schedules, one of the first things to go is our time in God's word, right? Like rarely does somebody say, man, I haven't eaten all week because I've just been so busy, right? Like there's, there's, there's some times when you have a coworker that says, I didn't get to stop for lunch today because I've been so busy, but I guarantee you they're probably gonna stop for dinner. 
right? Like one of the first things that goes in our busy schedules are the spiritual disciplines. And it's the thing that, that Paul tells us is so important in standing firm. He says, man, don't lose sight of the traditions that have been, been passed to you. To stand firm, you have to be obedient to God's word. You have to be in God's word, hearing God's word, meditating on God's word, seeking to apply God's word. And, and probably because he knows how busy the schedules are in the lives of these people in his church, he says, I'm praying that this happens for you. I'm praying for you, and I'm also asking you to pray for me. I'm also asking you to pray for me because my job is tough and I'm seeking to spread the gospel. I'm seeking to push the gospel into new places and there's the threat of evil, wicked men. There's also the threat that this won't be well received and he says, man, pray, pray for me that this happens and that I keep pressing on. He was praying for others. He was, request, he was requesting prayer from others as well. And that brings us to number four. So for our kids, I didn't review that. If we are saved, we will stand firm. If we obey, we will stand firm. If we pray, we will stand firm. Number four, our friendships encourage us to stand firm when tempted to grow weary. Our friendships are an important element here when we talk about standing firm versus growing weary. He says in verse six, now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him, that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother." We fellowship with others to stand firm. And Paul here is very particular in the types of people that we should pursue for intimate fellowship. And he's giving them, he's giving them wise instruction, wise counsel here as to the type of people that they, they should surround themselves with. I mean, he's, he's warning them. He says, if you surround yourself with people who aren't doing the right thing and you're not addressing it with them, I mean, he's basically laying it out. You're gonna grow weary in doing good. You're going to begin to question whether you should continue to do the things that you're doing because you're surrounding yourself with people that aren't doing those things. It's going to wear on you. It is going to make you weary. So he's very particular in the types of people that should be the, the intimate circle that we spend time with. And he's telling you, he's saying, he's saying if, if these people aren't living the way that you're trying to live, if they're not living in response to, to the teachings that they are hearing, if they're not trying to be obedient to God's word and apply the things that they are hearing, you probably don't want to spend a lot of time with them. Now, he says you don't treat them like an enemy, right? Like you don't cast them away and disregard them and have zero to do with them, but you don't invite them into intimate fellowship with you. He says, he says there's this idea that, man, you need, to, you need to do away with them in the sense of the intimate fellowship that you would have with them. It says, keep away from any brother who's walking in idleness and not accord with the tradition you received from us. 
If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person, have nothing to do with him. Don't regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. I mean, he, he basically says, how you spend time with them now changes, right? Like, and we've talked about this before in the context of church discipline, because this is a passage about church discipline, that when, when someone deviates from the word, you can't ignore it, because that, that's not helpful to them, right? When you see someone caught in a transgression, you have to help them out of that, right? So we have a responsibility to go after people when they wander from the faith. But if they're not willing to be obedient to those warnings, if they're not willing to change and do things differently based on that instruction, he says, you, you, you can't continue in intimate fellowship with them. You can still spend time with them, but the time you spend with them has to be centered around this idea of warning them about how they're living. And I think it's for our good that Paul gives that instruction because he knows, man, if you continue to be around people that aren't doing the right thing, you're gonna stop doing the right thing. You're gonna grow weary in it. You're gonna start to question, why am I doing this when this person's not doing this? Like the people that I'm closest to, the people that I spend all my time with, they're not making these choices and decisions. Why should I continue to do that? So he's, he's cautioning this church about the idea that if you, if you put yourself around these type of people that aren't living the way that they should, it is going to cause you to grow weary in doing good. And to protect yourself, you have to, you have to isolate yourself from these type of people if they're not willing to yield to the commands that you're giving them. But there's also a positive aspect to this in that he's saying spend time with people that are what worth imitating right like you don't want to grow weary in doing good then spend time with people that aren't weary and they're doing good right like like if you start to grow weary in doing good man you know what's a recipe for disaster spending time with people that are weary and they're doing good or people that have stopped doing good because they got weary and just ceased to live that way right like that's a recipe for you to continue down that path he says, look, we came to you and we lived in such a way while we were with you to serve as an example to you. Why? So you could imitate it. And Paul is, is not only cautioning them about who they spend time with from a negative aspect, he's also cautioning them from the positive side of things, saying, spend time with people that are worth imitating. If you don't want to grow weary in doing good, spend time with people that aren't being weary in their good pursuits. So in your notes there, number one, we must surround ourselves with non-weary people to imitate. We must surround ourselves with non-weary people to imitate. Enjoy your intimate fellowship with those worth imitating. I know we're not, we're not really part, we're not part of a denomination or an association, and so our connection with other churches is not the same as if we were a Southern Baptist church where there's like pastor lunches and all that kind of stuff. So I, I've been intentional since we planted our church to try to have relationships with other pastors in the community to help keep me encouraged during times of weariness. And so I've reached out to several different pastors during this season of my life where I've been battling weariness to seek encouragement from them. Um, they're not always necessarily intimate friends for me, but it has been helpful for me to be able to call up some of the pastors in our community and be able to sit down and have that type of fellowship with them to receive the encouragement that I need. Paul says, you've got to find people who are worth imitating, who can inspire you, who can encourage you. Otherwise, if you choose the latter and you choose to, to, to spend intimate fellowship with these other people, it's gonna lead to your own weariness. It's gonna lead to your own demise. We must surround ourselves with non-weary people to imitate. 
Number two, we must avoid others that would cause us weariness due to their disobedience. We must avoid others that would cause us weariness due to their, busy, due to their disobedience. These, the, these people that were in this church, they were busy with the wrong things. We talked about this when we went through this passage the first time around. They were, they were busy bodies. They were spending their time doing busy things, just not the right things, not the good things. Um, they were not being faithful to, to apply Paul's teaching. I referenced that earlier. Let me give you the passage in 1 Thessalonians. Remember the first letter that Paul writes to this church, he gives them instructions about how they're to work and how they're to take care of themselves. Says um, verse 9 of chapter 4 in 1 Thessalonians. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more to aspire to live quietly, to mind your own affairs, to work with your own hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Right? Paul's discipleship with this early church was to disciple them to take care of their business in their culture in the workforce. He says, figure out a way to take care of yourself so that you're not dependent on other people. He says, you should be able to figure out a way to work hard to get to the point where you can take care of yourself and not be dependent on, on others, right? And then there's, there's other passages that let us know when somebody can't do that, that's when the church steps in and takes care of them, right? Like when, when someone is physically not able to take care of themselves, that's what the church is for. The church is there. That's, that's what we've tried to do from a member care standpoint. When people fall upon hard times, where they have demonstrated a desire to work and provide for themselves, and then circumstances change where they can't physically do that right now, I mean, we want to come alongside them and help them, right? We can't do that forever. We can't do that long-term. We want to try to help set people up to where they can take care of themselves and not be dependent on anyone else. Why? Because that's, that's Paul's instruction, right? Like that's Paul's teaching. That's, that's how Paul says, this is how it's supposed to work. Otherwise, you run the risk and, and we've never had that in this context in our church. But Paul says in 2 Thessalonians, man, we've run the risk now where it seems like we're taking care of people who aren't, who aren't in that big of a need, who could take care of themselves. And that's why he calls out that group in 2 Thessalonians. But those people are guilty of not following the tradi traditions passed to them. They're guilty of not yielding to the letter that was sent to them. Paul said, you should be the type of people that work hard, work with your hands as we instructed you, that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Even when he writes here in verse four, uh, chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians, look at what he says. Work with your own hands as we instructed you. So this isn't even the first time they've heard this instruction, right? Like he says, we've already instructed you to do this. I'm reminding you in 1 Thessalonians, and now 2 Thessalonians, I'm just really frustrated that you're not yielding to it to the point that I'm ready to say, stop spending time with those people. Right, like quit investing in those people and possibly causing yourself to grow weary. They're obviously not willing to be obedient to the things that they should be obedient to. So they've had warnings, they've had instructions, and they're not yielding to the teaching. Back in Second Thessalonians now. Again, verse 15 of chapter two, stand firm, hold to the traditions you've been taught. If you don't do that, then we can't spend time with you. If you're not demonstrating a pattern of wanting to make the right choices and the right decisions, 
and you're not willing to yield to the warnings, the loving warnings that your Christian friends give you, man, there comes a point where Paul says, you just gotta stop being around these people or else it's going to lead to your weariness. And there's a command, there's commands that are being given here, right? Not just suggestions. It's not, hey, if you start to grow weary and you wanna try this, then try this. Don't spend time with people like this. Look what Paul says. We have confidence in the Lord, verse four, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. He says, man, because you're saved, because we're praying for you, because we know you're the first fruits, we know you're gonna obey the commands that we've already given you and the commands that we're about to give you. Because in verse six, he says, now we command you, brothers. And he kind of he prefaced it with, I know you're gonna do this, right? Like, I know you're gonna do this because you've been doing it. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. I have full faith and confidence that you're gonna do this. Let me command something of you. Not a suggestion, not an idea, not a thought, a command. Do this. We command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, keep away from brothers who walk in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you receive from us. You gotta distance yourself from them. You gotta distance yourself from people who are not willing to be obedient to the things that are being taught. The command here is to remove the disobedient from being an influential part of your life. 1 Corinthians 15, talks about bad company ruining good, right? Bad company ruining good morals. Keep away from them and have nothing to do with them. Man, this is also a good reminder that at times when, when, when you choose to sin, you choose to not do what God's word tells you to do, you're not the only one affected by it. You're just not, right? You get to a point in your life where you decide, you know what, like coming on Sundays is, is not gonna be a priority right now. Gathering with the church during the month at these connecting points, just not a priority right now. Giving, not a priority right now. Setting aside time to serve when service opportunities come up, not a priority right now. You're not the only one affected when you make those choices and decisions, right? Because we told you last week, as elders, we are growing weary because of those decisions. And we're growing weary from it. You're not the only one that's affected by those decisions, right? It'd be one thing if, if you know what, if you don't want to spend time in God's word, if you don't want to be obedient to God's word, if you don't want to serve, if you don't want to give, if you don't want to gather, that's just on you. Like, that's just too bad for you. We'll just keep plugging along. But Paul reminds us and says, you're not the only ones affected by that. You can potentially cause people to grow weary in themselves trying to do good because they see you not doing good. It's a reminder to us that, man, the choices and decisions we make don't just affect ourselves because this is a family, right? This is a family. You have your own physical family, but man, the spiritual family is something precious. And when bad choices and decisions, when, when things are, are not going as they should, it doesn't just affect you. It doesn't just affect your physical family. It affects the spiritual family as a whole. Two commands being given here. One, the command to remove the idol. That one is just as serious as the command to start working hard because even in the midst of telling these people, hey, you might not be able to hang out with those people anymore, He's also continuing to encourage those that aren't making the right decisions to make the right decisions. Even if we were with you, we would still give you this command, Paul says, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Verse 12, now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly to earn their own living. Once again, Paul reiterates, 
do this, do this, and it will be an encouragement to everybody else. Everybody else will continue to press on and do good. If you'll come back and do the right things too, it'll prevent people from growing weary. The command to remove the idol is just as serious as the command to the idol to start working hard. It's not something we do if we feel it's necessary. Like it may be too late. Maybe too late if you try to wait until you think it's necessary to remove yourself from people that aren't making the right choices and decisions. Paul's saying the company that you surround yourself with will ultimately determine whether you stand firm or grow weary. He says the way you protect yourself from growing weary is you surround yourself with people who are worth imitating. You spend too much time around people that aren't worth imitating, you start to become like those people. Even though you didn't mean to imitate them, you start to grow weary and you're doing good just as they have. Our salvation enables us to stand firm. Our obedience empowers us to stand firm. Our prayers remind us to stand firm. Our friendships encourage us to stand firm. Again, I came back to this passage because I'm in a state right now where I'm battling weariness. I'm trying to fight against weariness. I'm trying to identify the factors in my life that are causing me to feel weary. I want to stand firm and fight against that weariness. And it was helpful to me to, to be reminded that my salvation empowers me, enables me, assures me that I will stay faithful to the end. But it's also a reminder that, man, in all my weariness, let me tell you, the temptation is to say, you know what, I don't want to teach right now. Like, like it crossed my mind to approach Adam and Tyson and say, hey, I need you guys to teach for a little while because I'm weary in doing good. I think that would be the worst thing possible for me. I know some pastors take sabbaticals, and that's a good thing for them. I know for me, it would probably be detrimental. Like, I don't know if I would come back from a sabbatical, right? Like, I don't know if, if having the burden lifted off of me and, and, and being able to escape some of the weariness, I, I think I would get too comfortable and say, eh, you guys just keep doing it. Like, I'm not coming back. I don't plan to teach anymore. So for me, like Galatians says, when you're growing weary, man, he says, look for opportunities to do good. So for me, the best thing possible is for me to keep teaching and keep spending time in God's word because I know to go on some type of teaching sabbatical, there would be so great of a temptation to not be in God's word at all, to just fill my schedule up with things that would, in my mind, make me not feel weary and really, in turn, push me more towards weariness to where I don't come back right? So, but yeah, obedience empowers us to stand firm. So for me, spending time in God's word, continuing to be in God's word, continuing to apply things in my own life that I can continue to share with you. And I've told you guys know all along, like the only things that I teach on Sunday are things that I'm learning personally. I don't ever sit down and try to come up with topical things that I think you need to know. It's things that God's teaching me. So even though there's things that I want you to know, about my own weariness, it's still things that I'm learning and, and, and working through about me, right? Like I didn't, I didn't say I'm gonna teach on this because I want them to know things that they're doing that, that's contributing to my weariness. That's not the case. These are, these are things that God's teaching me because I told you last week, my responsibility to come out of a state of weariness is not contingent on whether you guys change anything, right? There could have been less people here today than last week and I have no right to justify feeling weary. I just don't. Okay, so for me, salvation is important for me to meditate on to get out of weariness, obedience to God's word. The prayer aspect, man, I wanna become more faithful for praying for myself, but man, I am asking you to pray for me and to pray for the elders right now too that we would fight against weariness in our efforts to do good. Like we are appealing to you out of humility to pray for us in the same way that Paul says, pray for me as I strive to do these things. We are asking you to pray for us 
as well. And then friendships. It's so important for me to make sure that I'm intentionally surrounding myself with people to encourage me. And at times, if necessary, distancing myself a little bit from those that are, that are pulling me down and causing me to grow weary, right? I continue to warn. I continue to encourage those that are falling into sin. But there comes a point where, man, if this person is just not listening, I've got to get away from it. I've got, I've got to pull away so that I don't grow weary in doing good. Application for all of us this morning. Number one, obey the word. Am I seeking to do my part in standing firm by applying the word that is being taught? Am I seeking to do my part in standing firm by applying the word that is being taught? Number two, ask for help. And this is for those that, that are also experiencing weariness. Okay, so this is application for all of us when we go through times of weariness in our life. Ask for help. Am I seeking God's power by praying against weariness in my own life? Am I seeking God's power by praying against weariness in my own life, both personally and by asking others for that same prayer? And then number three, learn from others. Am I seeking to surround myself with others who will help me not to grow weary? Am I intentionally choosing the type of company that will encourage me to stand firm versus supporting me to grow weary? Obey the word. And the last thing that you want to do in times of weariness is to distance yourself from God's word. Run to the word. Be in the word. Hold to those traditions that have been passed down to us in written form. Cling to those things. It's the only hope of coming out of weariness. Obeying the word. Praying your way out of weariness. Praying yourself, asking others for that prayer support as well. Praying that God will encourage and invigorate in the face of weariness. And then number three, learning from others. Seeking to surround yourself with the type of people who are worth imitating. From a family worship standpoint, number one, pray for God to help us as a church in the areas of gathering together, giving, serving, and welcoming others. Right, like I identified for you guys last week areas that we, we are weak in right now. Perceived weaknesses right now. Pray, pray as a family, pray as an individual. Pray that God would, would work in the hearts of our people. And again, I told you last week, if there, was, if there was anybody that needed to be singled out, we would have already talked to you as an elder, right? Like this is collectively us prioritizing the gathering and the attendance right? Pray that God would do that work in us to where our schedules would be, be something that we prioritize the gathering together of our church. Pray that God would empower our people to give as we've already committed to give. Pray that God would work in our hearts to where we would be zealous in our service. And right, I'm, I'm, I'm not looking for just like a quick response like, not looking for high attendance Sunday for a couple of weeks only to have that tail back off, right? Like, like probably everybody's gonna try to sign up for Light Up Sonoy, right? Because it's just in a week or two and, and Adam just stood up and said, hey, man, our service stinks right now. Like nobody's signing up for these things. Like I expect great attendance at Light Up Sonoy, but will it still be there at Memorial Day in May, right? Like, like what I don't want is like this quick response type thing that can't be sustained. And I think the only way for it to be something that is sustained is for us to pray for it, right? God, God ensures us that if we're saved, we will stand firm. 
but he also says that we are to pray that God does those does those type of things in us. All right, um, and pray that God would would uh, give us the passion that we need to welcome others into our church when they visit. That we would be intentional to to not be so boxed in with who we want to talk to and how we want to spend our time on a Sunday morning. That we would open ourselves up to those that visit. That we would be the the welcoming, hospitable type place. And then number two, as a family, as an individual, be intentional this week to spend time with someone that, that will encourage you, right? Like it's a great way to battle weariness when we put ourselves around people that are worth imitating. Paul tells us that. Paul tells us that the friendships, the people that we spend time with are meant to encourage us to stand firm, to help guard us and protect us from growing weary. As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We're thankful for um, what it means to us as we, as we have time to pause and reflect and study upon it. Um, God, I'm so thankful that, um, once again, you allowed me the opportunities this week to spend some time reflecting upon your word. And I thank you for the things that you've taught me and reminded me um, that are good for my own fight against weariness. God, I pray that you would use these words this morning to, to encourage those that are a part of our church family. God, that we would be faithful to, um, to, to run to the word, uh, to cry out to you in prayer, um, that we would be faithful to surround ourselves with others that can encourage us, help us to, to be proactive in fighting against weariness, help us not to wait until we're so deep in our weariness to where it's so hard to come out of it, God, I pray instead we'd be proactive, that we would see these principles that you've given to us in Scripture, things that we can do now to ensure that we stand firm until you return. And I pray that you would, you would accomplish these things in the life of our church, that, that we would, as a church family, prioritize gathering together. God, that we would find creative ways to, to manage our budgets at home so that we can give, so that we can do things together as a church family, so we can support uh, ministries that you've given us, people that you've given to us. God, I pray that we would be intentional with our, our schedules to where we seek to serve when service opportunities are given. God, I pray that we'd be aware that visitors come and are oftentimes in need of something, that they, that they found our church, they identified our church as a place to come on a Sunday morning, most likely in need of something. And God, help us to be very welcoming as we have visitors that come. Father, I pray that you would encourage us. Uh, for those that are in a season of weariness, God, I pray that we would fight against that, that we would seek to do good and not grow weary. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Hope Church podcast. We trust that you've been encouraged by the word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at www.sovhope.org. Again, that's www.sovhope.org.